On this episode of The Playbook, I have co-creator of UFC and founder of Combate Americas, Campbell McLaren. And he's going to teach us if you can look up, you can get up. And more importantly, I was wondering what his senior quote would be if he had to rewrite it today. Learn all of this and more on The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success and what made them champions on the field and in the boardroom. I'm your host and CEO of Sports One Marketing, David Meltzer. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneur in the Playbook, and I have a true entrepreneur, the CEO of Combate Americas, and the co-founder of something you may have heard of, the UFC, and <laughs> pretty awesome, Campbell McLaren. Now, Campbell, I want to start off. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Dave. Um, this is the coolest I, set. Isn't it really I cool? Mean, and this isn't a set. Right, it's an event. It's an actual place. In a bar, in a karaoke it's lounge. Tremendous. Yeah. Thank you. You know, I always say with entrepreneurs, and I start with even the McDonald brothers, uh, that there's a million great ideas, but it's another thing to actually execute and make a business out of it. And you actually created the UFC from Absolutely. playing Mortal Kombat, is that right? From Mortal Kombat, yeah. But there was a little more to it right, than that. Sure. But There's that was the inspiration. Right, you were watching something yeah. that everybody loved. So tell me about how you took your idea and actually made it into a business. You know, I think uh, I love I love your show because I think it shows a you, you get to see a common denominator with entrepreneurs and how people achieve their success. And that's a very valuable thing to offer people. <laughs> right. And I, sometimes it doesn't seem like there'd be any connection between people in different businesses, vastly different businesses you had on the show. But I think what comes through and what is stuck with me is there's a saying in the fight game. People say it's not how many times you got knocked down. It's how many times you get up. And I think entrepreneurs will know exactly what that means. You know, I think that the UFC, when I launched it, was a phenomenal success, ridiculously successful. And when Senator John McCain decided that we needed a federal boxing commission and made the UFC as the target or the best example of why we should have one, that's when I took, you know, my first Boom! You know, because I was high. And then I walked into, you know, his combinations were really something. Yeah. You know, it was like, turn it off on cable, get it banned in states, and put me in jail. Like, that's a pretty good one, two, three, yeah. right? So uh, I thought I never wanted to do uh, MMA again. I really do feel like I created the UFC. I, I found Joe Rogan, brought him in when he was a comedian. Joe Silva, the legendary matchmaker, was my assistant. Um, I helped design the Octagon, you know, really worked to develop the stars, Hoist Gracie, the Shamrocks, uh, of course, did the famous no rules. There are no rules. Uh, worked way too well. So uh, that was great. And I learned a lot. And I learned how to use controversy. And when you don't have big budgets and before the Internet, remember, this is before Twitter, before internet, Instagram, exactly. YouTube. So uh, there's a great uh, Betty White joke, the comedian Betty White. She said, in my day... There wasn't Facebook, there was phone book. <laughs> and I think that's what we used to, it was word of mouth that launched the UFC initially. So I didn't want to recreate the UFC. I knew I wanted to do something in MMA. And after some 15 years of producing uh, a lot of television shows, and I launched something called College Humor, which is a very successful, yep. uh, most successful comedy website, um, 
I saw, I did a, a project for Telemundo and discovered Spanish media and realized that in the U.S., there's some 65, 70 million U.S. Hispanics. And growing. Which is almost, and growing, <laughs> which is almost three times the population of Canada. So this is a country, right? This yeah. is a country. There's 21 million Spanish-speaking countries. The Hispanic population worldwide is 1 billion. People go, do you want to do something in China? No, I don't want to go to China. <laughs> I mean, I don't even eat Chinese food anymore, right? Like, and you I, live I, in New York, so that's I, a real challenge. Yeah, I live in New York. So there's 1 billion Spanish speakers in the world. That's a big market. Yeah. And I think more importantly, what dawned on me is if you look at the history of boxing, aren't some of the greatest boxers Hispanic? Of course. Think of the list. Julio Cesar Chavez, right? Oscar um, De La Hoya. Oscar. Coto. Uh, <laughs> you know, it just keeps going. And they're fast and they're fun and they're great athletes. And I knew that my dear friends at the UFC had done a lousy job reaching this group. And how do I know that? When I launched Combate Americas, which is about five years ago, the first two people I went to talk to were Dana White, the president, and Lorenzo Fertitta, you know, who was the owner. And I went in and I said, guys, you know, I love the UFC and I wouldn't do anything to hurt it. But I think, honestly, you don't have many fans that are Hispanic. Part of that is a political thing in that uh, 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 President Trump and Dana White are very close. Dana spoke for President Trump at the Republican National Convention. Donald Trump, you know, at, at the time, Donald Trump, now President Trump, doesn't really get high marks with the Hispanic group. Right. Either in Mexico or here. Either before presidency Either or after before presidency. Before or after. So I knew I had an audience that was untapped, and that's what we've shown. I'm just, uh, I just saw the Nielsen ratings for last Friday uh, at midnight. In the U.S. alone, we did 421,000 viewers. We beat every other MMA organization, including the UFC's prelims. So we're beating everybody on TV in the U.S. People go, oh, it's a Latin American country. No, it's an America-American uh, company. We're doing tremendous ratings. We beat, for the week, we beat every sports center except one. We beat the Women's World Cup that Telemundo has promoted like mad. The ratings yeah. are great. Two weeks ago, we did our first event in South America, Lima, Peru, which is an interesting city. We did 10 times the TV average of that time slot and our first night down there. We trended first on Twitter. Uh, I can keep going on. We doubled the UFC's ratings in Spain on Goal, which also has uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona, the big soccer yeah. teams. And our type of fight is what sets us apart. We prefer the stand-up fighting. You know, boxeo, boxing, is yeah. the Mexican martial art, right? It's the Puerto Rican martial art. So our guys and girls tend to stand up. They mix Muay Thai and boxing, so it's a much more active fight. Less groundwork, more exciting to new fans. And we have found through our research that almost all our fans are new to the sport. So if you think about it, I have got, in the U.S., half a million people, roughly, at midnight, who are new fans of the sport almost every week. So that's a pretty good accomplishment. You know. The facts that you just laid out have been apparent to a tremendous amount of billionaires in America, entrepreneurs in America, people I myself have worked in the industry for a long time, running the most notable sports agency in the world. And it's always remarkable, kind of like the hula hoop or the pet rock, 
how that some things that seem so obvious, you know, never get taken advantage of. And you're not bilingual, or do you speak Spanish? I speak Spanish poorly. Yeah, me too. Okay, so so it's not as I if I can say Combate Americas, and you taught me Combate Americas as well. Um, but it's really interesting of a heightened awareness as you have more knowledge. And when we talk about getting knocked down, one of the things that's not like true boxing or jiu-jitsu or UFC or MMA or Combate America is the more times you get knocked down in fight, fighting in real life, the dumber you get. It's not good for your head. But I believe the more times you get knocked down in real life, the smarter you get because it heightens your awareness and you start realizing, for example, you never want to be in a business that you're made an example of. Right? I, I never would have put myself where I'm the person that would make a really good Martha Stewart. Right? So Martha Stewart was the example for insider trading when you know, half of Wall Street was doing the exact same thing that Martha Stewart was, but she made a great example because if you're going to put Martha Stewart in jail, I better you be will put anybody in jail. Right, exactly. and the same thing. And you, exactly. and you were an example. You know, I was a lightning rod. Don't be a lightning rod. Yeah, and it cost you, you know, $4 billion. But you did actually try to go buy back the UFC, didn't you put together like a couple billion dollars? Yeah, I did uh, with uh, uh, Providence, which is a very big uh, private equity company. I didn't own the UFC, right? So right. I was an employee. So yeah. that's a lesson. Yeah. Don't be an employee <laughs> is a good lesson. Good. Uh, and if you are, you know, brave enough, silly enough, foolish enough to go be an entrepreneur, there's a lot of steps you can take. Have more than one stream of income, you know, uh, c commit yourself 100%, but do not believe your own bullshit. You know, like there's a, there's a lot of, th and I'm sure people have said this on your show too before, but you're 100% right. You learn from your mistakes. Yeah. And my success, when I did the UFC, I thought the success was based purely on my genius. That it was obviously <laughs> nice ego lessons. my genius, right? Yeah. And then what happens, someone pulls the rug out from you and you land on your ass and you begin to wonder about your genius. But I think that I think that's right. And I think what I've tried to do in Combate also is um, uh, make sure I focus on the positive. And the negativity surrounding the UFC is what overtook it and when mm -hmm. I was there, right? And it was the political heat, the controversy, uh, everything that went with that. And in Combate, what I've said is, I want to do something that's good for my company, good for me, good for the athletes, good for the audience, good for the community. And our first year in existence, we won the Imahin Awards, which Norman Lear, very famous TV producer, did the Jeffersons, All in the Family, you know, very famous guy. He had a realization in Hollywood. He said, wow, Hollywood treats Hispanic people worse than they treat black people. And that's pretty bad. Wow. Remember, he did the Jeffersons. That was the first yeah, sitcom yeah, about with, with, with black actors. Right, right from it, All right? in the Family. <laughs> so he created the, exactly. So he created the Imahin Awards, means image awards, for producers who put the Hispanic community in a positive light. I won that award. Look, I'm not Hispanic, <laughs> and I won it for a fight show. A fight show. That and so awesome. I'm at that Positive. You know, bullshit Beverly Hills thing, the yeah. black tie, and I, they give me the award. And I grab it and I go, this is a fight show. You know, I'm not giving this back. When someone figures out <laughs> right, this is right, right. a fight show. But I think what we did is we gave opportunity. We presented people in a positive manner. We allow them to have some influence over their own destiny. 
right? If they win, if they act right, if they put their heart into it, we'll give them another fight. And so I believe I presented a great opportunity. On my, on my first show I did after the reality series, that's what I won the Imahim Awards for. I, uh, at the end of the show, we're in this great little space called The Exchange. It was the Pacific Stock Exchange in LA. It is a great venue. It's small. We got packed in. People are hanging <laughs> over. It was a fantastic night. At the end of the night, one of the guys that worked for me said, you know, Senior Campbell, which is what a lot of people in the company call me because Campbell's really a last name. To <laughs> Senior Campbell, there's a line of people to talk to you. Oh. Now, I, I used to run a famous comedy club in New York called Caroline's, yep. right? And when there was a line of people to talk to you, it meant they wanted their money back, <laughs> right? So I, I'm always in a suit to show respect to the audience, and, and, and I, I tighten up my little tie, and I go out, and I'm not giving anybody their money back. They're right. not getting their money back. <laughs> like P.T. Barnum. <laughs> I got the money, you're not getting it back. You stayed for the show, you don't get your money back. So I go out there, and the first person says, uh, uh, Campbell, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity you gave me, my nephew. Shakes my hand, goes. 28 people in the line, I counted them. Second guy, I want to thank you for doing this for the Hispanic community. Third person, same. 28 people lined up to thank me. And I, I got a little choked up when I, yeah. I tell that because I never had that before. So I learned from my failures, absolutely, or my you know, adversity. You know, I didn't tell John McCain to do that. I'm not sure that's actually my failure. Sure. You're right. I was the lightning rod. But I learned from that adversity. But I also learned from that positive moment that if you do the right thing, I think generally the universe will help you Sooner out. Sooner or later, the truth comes out. It's exactly. so true. Your award story, I know that feeling. I, my biggest honor ever for Ego was Variety Magazine Sports Humanitarian of the Year. And there's Morgan Freeman, Seth Rogen, Matthew McConaughey, <laughs> no Olivia Wilde, Gina Rodriguez. And they all won in their industry or section. But I remember thinking my only speech was, I know you have two questions. Who the hell are you? And why would they give a sports agent a humanitarian year award, right? But we do have significant impact. One of the things when you were telling your story is I went to uh, Telemundo. Is that the, the Univision? I'm is on the Univision. Yeah. Telemundo is NBC. So Univision, yeah. I went to Univision and they told me that the number one six o'clock news program in America that is watched live, not DVR'd or new, was the six o'clock news on Univision. And so that when I was going, God, you should have thought about in a deeper respect how that following is. If people are interested in their culture, interested in their news and their language, they're gonna be interested in a positive, very popular sport that you were an expert at to start. Now, you have a great idea that's doing very well and it's growing and growing and growing. Scaling a business, especially content is, is difficult. I, I don't mind the competition because I think you have a very, you have an advantage actually that other people are building your brand but you do it better and for a specific audience. How do you plan on scaling it though into, because it's you know such an enormous space for you, how, how are you gonna scale that business? Well, that's the billion dollar question, right? Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, you can build a successful content business but can you grow it to the point where it really throws off a lot of money and puts you in a position to sell it or IPO or whatever one does, yeah. but you've got, you, you have to scale it. So I believe that we have a couple advantages. One, there's never been a higher premium on live sports than they yeah. are now. It's the only and thing that'll be left live. Th that's right. And so, <laughs> so I think instead of, think about it, if 
you have a, 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 a very basic product, you have to scale it that much more. But I'm a premium product, so I'm already up a level yeah. in terms of doing that. I think that um, I have a product that does very well on the phone because, you know, my other favorite sport is baseball. <laughs> you can't watch Are you baseball. a Yankees fan? Of course I'm a Yankees <laughs> fan. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> All right, we gotta... I, I'm here. I'm actually a Phillies fan. I grew up in Philadelphia. Oh, nice. but, but the Yankees. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, that's the diplomatic, the, the official answer. But you can't watch baseball on the phone. I can't can't watch soccer. People do, but yeah. you can't or hockey's worse. Hockey's, hockey's the worst. Hockey's worse, yeah. right? They're thinking about changing the camera angles on these sports just to give them more of a into the court, the phones. into the field view. So I've got a sport that works very well on the phone because it's two guys, yeah. right? You're in close. It's this. So I've got especially if they stay up, a, a particularly, right? Yeah. right? Particularly, yeah. right? So I've got premium content which scales us up. I've got a sport that is particularly well suited for. I don't. I love my phone, so it didn't ring. But for the phone, so I think that's good. I also have a sport that works well in both English, which is the international language, and in Spanish. So I'm able to double my TV territory that way. Also, the format of this is essentially country versus country, the way soccer is played. So Combate Americas for now, but Combate Asia. Combate Europe, it, you know, it is easy to take the model. We just were in Peru, as I said. Peru and Chile have only fought one war in their history. That was against each other. So when I have a Peruvian fighter and a Chilean fighter, boom, fireworks. That yeah. works everywhere. Right. Everybody's got enemies, you know? Yeah, and, you and can a do, following. Exactly. So I think we've got a built-in... Uh, 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 animosity, a built-in tension, a built-in conflict with how we set up the athletes. Um, the UFC has to build up two stars, you know, to go against each other. When you see a guy with a Mexican flag and a guy with the USA flag, you kind of pick your pick, right? So I think that's, I, I think that's really going to help us. Of course, the dearth, the lack of available sports rights until 2023 is really helping me sure. through the deals. So I think it's all these factors. Uh, let us scale it. I think if you look at the athlete costs in our sport, they are much lower than other sports as well. And that's going to change. The guys are going to, you know, that's, that's going to change. But for right now, the, 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 the profit to athlete pay ratio is phenomenally in favor of the promoter. That is going to change. But there's, so there's a lot of factors that allow us to scale this particular business. As we come to a close, the last question I want to ask is something coming from the sports field as an entrepreneur that I've noticed. One of the things that make the Olympics so appealing is the B-roll, the B right? The, the story, the behind-the-scenes story. And I have seen the UFC for years. Ronda Rousey is one of the few people, Conor McGregor, where you really get an attachment to the character. I think Ronda Rousey did the best job of branding herself and creating a B-roll behind her so she could have a career far beyond the octagon. Do you have plans to build because these are countries and images that you're, you're creating in a positive respect, each of these stories are probably extraordinary of how to become the best in your country. Are you planning on doing any type of background story or B-roll that will attach emotionally to the audience? Because I haven't seen anyone do that well in your space. Uh, absolutely, you're right. The UFC tends to do it more when someone breaks through. You, you, when Connor breaks through, that's when you start finding out about his background. Uh, we recently had a championship fight. The champion, Jose Aldai, dreamer in this country, 
uh, has a, uh, a child with, uh, um, the baby's not quite deaf, but very close. And so he's taking care of a disabled child. He's a dreamer, and all that means in this country. Uh, until very recently, he had a day job and fighting. Married to uh, his sweetheart that he met, you know, in high school, you know, as yeah. a dreamer. And it's such a great heartwarming story. And he was beaten by Gustavo Lopez, who Misha Tate trains. And Gustavo is actually a nice guy, but comes across as a real prick. <laughs> so I've got the prick beat our lovable champion, right? Yeah. And that is a storyline we have really been working. Uh, our, uh, uh, our presenting sponsor is AT&T uh, Cricket Wireless. Yeah. And they did a whole series of mini vignettes that they sponsored on Jose Aldai and what it's like to be maybe the nicest guy in the world. And, and so then you've got Gustavo Lopez, who has a smirk that, you know, if you didn't think he was a fighter, you'd want to slap him. You right. know he's a fighter, so you don't want to, right? <laughs> right, right? But he has got a smirk. It just means. So there's a great example. And essentially through digital content, which is what Vince McMahon is so great at, yeah. right? It's essentially through our digital content, we tell the story of these fighters. Because if you don't love someone or hate, Floyd Mayweather had as many people buying the pay-per-views to see him get beaten as to see him win. It doesn't matter, hate or love. I'm, I can work yeah, with either one. It's the Howard one. Stern rule. Yeah, right? exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, and, and the only way you get someone known is to tell the story and give those personal facts and let you cheer for them. When Jose Aldai lost, my entire crew, men and women, yo, <laughs> men and women were crying. Oh, that's awesome. like sugar. Because they to knew me. him. Exactly. He's the guy you want to win. <laughs> yeah, and you're right. Awesome. You got to tell those stories. All right. Last question. I like to ask more experienced entrepreneurs this. But if you had to. Where do I fall in the scale of things? Experience. Okay. <laughs> like me. We're experienced. <laughs> we, you know, this generation of millennials entrepreneurs, if you're 19, they think that's a le you know, an old legacy. Uh, I always wonder, I've never asked this question, but it's a good last question for you. If you had to go back and write your senior quote in your high school yearbook, what would it be? Can I swear? Yeah, of Fuck off. Yeah, yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah it really would. And how come? It really, because you know what? I think it takes you a long time to figure out it doesn't matter what other people think you can do or not do. That's the lesson. You heard it here first. Campbell McLaren with David Meltzer on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook. Well, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of The Playbook as much as me. On a personal note, I just wanted to thank everyone for making The Playbook such a success. Don't forget to continue it by sharing, subscribing, and listening to your favorite episodes. This is Dave Meltzer with The Playbook.